0: Hi everybody, welcome to Busy Living Sober, and it is episode 295, 295, five away from 300 episodes, crazy bus! and today we are sponsored by Soberlink. As we know, addiction is a serious issue that needs to be addressed. Nearly 15 million people in the U.S. have an alcohol use disorder, and that's alcohol only. Only 10% of those people get treatment. This can be attributed to the stigma that surrounds addiction and how people don't want to talk about it. Soberlink, just like Busy Living Sober, strives to erase the stigma of alcohol addiction. Their remote alcohol monitoring tool has helped over 500,000 people to be more accountable in their sobriety. Their voluntary system encourages connection and honesty, which helps to rebuild trust and maintain sobriety. I've teamed up with soberlink to create a resource guide tips for keeping busy living sober for those in recovery and for you to if you go visit www.soberlink.com/bls for busy living sober you can download that resource guide and if you or someone you know can benefit from accountability for alcohol recovery you'll also find a form on there for a $50 prime promo code. $50 promo code. Okay. So back to business. Thanks again, so for sponsoring us. Um a couple of weeks ago, maybe even last week or the week before, I also have asked people, I'm like, write to me. Let me know if there's topics you want me to talk about. And I'm really excited because I've had two people from tech Texas that I'm talking to right now that I just, well, one I've been talking to for um, years now, at least a year and a half. And the other one is brand new. And I just want to say hi to both of them. And my friend D I'm just going to refer to her as D. I don't want to like call her out. I didn't ask her previous to doing this, if I could call her out, but I'm just going to call her D and I'm going to say D your question was, and you wanted me to talk about friends and friendship and what happens when you get sober, and how your friendships change, and how sometimes we tend to feel more isolated, and we feel, we also tend to feel like, you know, we're not included in things because we don't drink anymore, and I love this topic, D, and um, it's something that I have had to deal with for, you know, for a long time now, and it's crazy, you know, it's crazy. I think that the whole thing with education and the stigma that's associated with addiction would help change this that's my only thing to say about changing the way that it is because I only think that really talking about things and um bringing things out of the shadows instead of them being bad I think they're good obviously getting sober is good especially if you have a drinking problem and um even if your drinking problem wasn't evident to any of your friends, but you just knew about it yourself and you feel like your friends aren't aren't supportive anymore is is a total bummer. And it totally has happened to me on, it happened to me in the very beginning and it still happens to me to this day. And you say, and you might sit there be listening, going, Oh my God, you got sober and you don't have friends. That sucks. Oh my God, why am I going to get sober if I'm not going to have my friends anymore? This is going to be horrible. What am I going to do? I'm going to get sober and nobody's want to get, want to hang out, hang out with me anymore. And that was one of my fears about getting sober that I was going to not have friends anymore and I wasn't going to have fun anymore. And on the contrary, um, I, I feel like I had a lot more, and I'm putting air quotes if you're not watching me on YouTube or watching me on my, going to my website. which um, was just on YouTube too, by the way. But um, if you are, I had a lot of friends, and I'm putting up these air quotes, friends, I could go, I knew everybody, right? I knew all these different people, especially when I was living in Philadelphia, in the suburbs of Philadelphia, where I raised my kids, I knew everybody, I knew everybody. So I would go and I would close bars. I was at every black tie function and I was very social. I did a lot of charity stuff and I would show up and I knew everybody, right? And people wanted me to sit with them, and wanted me to have them at their table, wanted me to be at their tables, and wanted to hang out with me. And then I decide that I can't drink anymore. Now I'm going to tell you the first year of my not drinking, I didn't do didn't do anything, right? I was so trying to figure out who I was and what made me tick that I didn't really recognize that I wasn't going to stuff. I just said no, I'm I'm busy, I'm busy or whatever, and um, I declined a lot of invitations which I think also propels you to not get invited anymore if you decline invitations in the beginning, which I did. And I think a lot of us have to, because we have to, it's like rewiring our brain, right? It's rewiring the way we think it's rewiring what we're doing. It's like, I got to take care of me. I hadn't taken care of me in my whole entire life. I had not known what made me tick, you know, until I got sober right I say this all the time my favorite color was green as you can see in my painting behind me but it's actually orange orange is my other favorite color and um, figuring out what made me tick I always wanted to be I wanted everybody to like me right I wanted everybody to be my friend I wanted everybody to think I was fabulous I wanted everybody to think I was the greatest thing since sliced bread I wanted all these things that, um, uh, that I wanted people to like me right? I wanted people to like me. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be part of the popular group, uh, don't we all? And, um, and part of that was drinking. And part of that was being a chameleon. And a part of that was figuring out what you wanted me to be more than what I wanted me to be, right? I took, I'd watch people in a situation and I do things like they did them because I wanted to be like them, right? Makes sense, right? I wanted to be like these other people and how did they, how, were they acting? What were their mannerisms? What did they drink? What didn't they drink? How did they hold their glass? What were they wearing? You know, I was, a, I, I, I'm a really, and I always have been a really big voyeur. I, I don't know if you call it a voyeur or someone that studies human beings or what you want to call it. I love going to train stations. I love going to airports. I love to watch people. I watch their mannerisms. I watch what they drink. Dah, 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 dah. So I would go to these parties and I'd be like what everybody else wanted me to be. So um, I'd wear the outfit. So I'd mix in, you know, it's just like we do in any other culture, right? I think we do it in all different societies. I think that when I was growing up, I wanted to be cool, right? I really want to be cool. And in the 80s, it was punk, right? I loved punk. I loved The Cure. I loved New Order. I loved U2. I loved all those bands. I loved Madonna. I loved Prince, so, you know, what did I do? I had really short hair and it was really punky and I could spike it up and I would wear a bleaching jacket and I'd have like silk screens on the back of it. I wore, um, I was really big into wearing MC Hammer pants because everybody else is wearing them. Now, did they look good on me? I have no idea, but I just wanted to be cool, right? We want to be cool. We want to fit in. Drinking is part of that, Right. That's why I think we all start drinking, right? Because we want to be cool. That's how it happens in high school. I remember with my kids, they started, they wanted to go hang out with popular people. They're like, mom, I want to go to this party where there's popular people. And I'd be like, are there going to be parents there? And they'd say, I don't know. And I'd say, well, I don't think you're going unless I call. And they'd be like, you're ruining it. And I'm like, I don't care. But is there going to be drinking there? And they'd say they wanted to go because there were no parents there and they could drink, right? And that's why they wanted to go. That's why I wanted to go. I wanted to go and I wanted to be cool and I wanted to fit in. And then you get included. And I hung out with like, I guess you would call the popular people. And um, I um, I did again, everything everybody else wanted me to do. So I had all these friends, air quote again, friends. So when I decided that it I couldn't drink anymore because I hated myself when I drank. I'd come home. I'd be like, I have a hangover. What did I say yesterday? What did I do? Oh my God, I got myself in a situation that if I were sober, I wouldn't have got myself into. And I get sober. So then I stopped going. And um, so that year I take off that I just mentioned, and I went to the church basements and went to AA meetings because for me I wanted to at 12 step meetings, I wanted to make friends. Making friends was really important to me. I was like, I really have. To make friends, or I'm not going to be okay. And um, so I did that for the first year. I hung out with just people mostly that were sober. And then, you know, I had to get comfortable in my sobriety. And luckily, I had little kids. So I was really busy going to a lot of sporting events. And then they would have events for, um, for my kids they'd have like you go to sports they'd have lacrosse all the parents would get together for lacrosse or all the parents would get together for the crew team or the tennis team or the football team or the tennis team whatever it was um i would they'd have these socials or they'd have these socials for the grade right they'd have everybody get together or the whole class of this is getting together and they're raising money for the school or whatever and i'd show up and um i was always I've always been out about my sobriety, which I don't know is a detriment or if it's a positive. I think obviously now it's a positive because I'm helping so many people and I've been doing this podcast for two hundred and ninety-five episodes. But I've always been someone that tells people that I don't drink anymore, and I know a lot of people don't believe in doing that, and that's cool. Whatever your belief is, for me, it's like my safety net. If I tell you I'm I'm not drinking, you're not going to offer me a drink right? You're not going to keep coming over to me and saying, don't you want one? Don't you want one? Don't you want one? It was, um, it was like an extra barrier it was like, okay, it's kind of like when you're a little kid and you're playing um, the quiet contest. And I always went, I lose, I lose because I didn't want to have to like get myself in a situation that was hard, right? I didn't want to be in a hard situation where somebody's like, why aren't you drinking? And I have to make up all these lies why I'm not drinking. Instead of just saying, I don't drink anymore. I don't drink anymore. And when I and I was a big partier. So to say that people obviously knew, oh my gosh, she's not drinking anymore. Why? And a lot of people again would not have associated me with the term alcoholic because alcoholic is had such a negative connotation at that point. And so they're like, she's not an alcoholic. And so it became really crazy. I wasn't included in things like I used to be. And it sucked. It sucked. And um, and then you know, with my kids, I always thought not only, I thought I had two dings against me to be completely honest. I thought, oh my God, people don't invite me out because A, I don't drink and B, I'm single. So I was single mom. So who wants to invite the single mom to the party? Not very many people want to invite a girl to a party that's single, right? With all the husbands around, I don't care where you live. I think everybody gets a little, oh, I don't want her here because she's single and she's by herself. And what is she going to do? And so, I wasn't invited then either, so then I was like, felt even more isolated and more like, "Oh my god, this sucks. Why doesn't anybody want to be my friend? Why doesn't anybody want to hang out with me?" And um, in reality, um, I think now I look back. I look back. I um I've kind of had an opportunity, especially where I live right now, to look into this friend thing. It's been. Um, it's been hard. Okay. So I, when I lived, I moved first to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I moved there and they have an amazing recovery community. And I made a ton of friends. It was really easy. I'd go to meetings. I made all these group of friends. And then not only that, but then it spread into my golf club. I made a lot of friends there because I golf a lot. So that was really fun. And then I moved here to Amelia Island where I live right now. And I moved here and, um, not only is it not a big metropolitan area, which it's not. I mean, Fort Lauderdale is a huge town. It's a city, right? It's a big town. There's a lot of different diversity. There's a lot of different friends. But I moved to this island that's 13 miles long by four miles wide at the widest point, point. And it's like the size of Manhattan, but it's definitely does not have the people like Manhattan. There's more nature than there is people probably. There's definitely more birds and there's definitely more um, seashells in that sort of thing than there is people. Um, And so we moved here and it has been uncomfortable until like now, it's been like now, and it's been a year, it was a year, we moved here in March of 2021. So it's been a year and what, two months, we're going on two months right now. And um, March, yeah, April and May, I'm in May now. So it's really just been a year and a month. So it's been 13 months that I've lived here and it's been hard. And it's been different for one the the recovery community is definitely nothing I'm used to. I'm normally used to having there being meetings every hour on the hour, wherever I can go 24 seven, I can go anywhere I want to a meeting and have any kind of topic I want. And God forbid when I was in, I could be, I was in Fort Lauderdale, I could go to Miami or I could go up to Palm Beach or I could go to Boca Raton. I had many places I could go get meetings. And then when I lived in Philadelphia, I could go to New York, I could go to Delaware, I could go anywhere to get meetings. So I moved to this island and it takes a good hour to get anywhere outside that's got city, right? It's an hour to get to Jacksonville and it's two hours to get to Savannah. So, and that's not really, right? That's a lot to go to a meeting. So I, um, even though I I can do it and I would do it, but I haven't, I'm not gonna lie to you and tell you I have, I have not. Luckily, there's still Zoom meetings. But um, that's been hard because I haven't met any friends through there, really. I have not made. I'm starting. I'm starting right now to make some friends in that community, in the 12-step community. But I thought I'd go to my golf club and I'd make friends there. But again, it's a big drinking community, right? It's a huge drinking. Country clubs are known to be big drinking communities. And clubs where they golf is a big... I don't care if it's just golf at that club. It's a, bit, it's a lot of people drink with golf and a lot of people drink with tennis and a lot of people like to socialize and it's all about the drink, 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 drink. And the unfortunate thing is I don't drink. I don't think it's an unfortunate thing. I'm gonna lie. I'm gonna take that back. I, the reality is I don't drink and I'm not gonna drink to be social. I'm not gonna drink so that I can be in the in crowd at golf or to be in the in crowd at tennis. I'm not doing it. I am not doing it. That is not up for debate. So what have I done? So I've tried to make friends with people that didn't drink as much as I thought that, you know, it's been, um, it's been eye-opening. It has been, um, I definitely have a closer relationship with my husband than I did before because I hang out with him a lot. He's like my, um, he's my bud. So luckily we live here in the house and we have a lot of the same things in common. So we can golf together, we can do those things together. Um, I've also taken up obviously painting. Um, I've been painting a lot more um, and I, my French, my group of friends, I have friends here now, but it's not a plethora. I'm not invited to every party, but, um, and I don't go, even if I am invited, I don't go to everything because some things I'm, we might not be up for because we know it's a big drinking group. And that has been my choice. So probably I don't get included anymore either because I don't, if it's a big drinking crowd, I don't really, I get bored really easily. And I, I would rather stay home and hang out with JF or talk to my kids or talk to other friends around the country and, or watch a movie, just to be honest. But it's, um, it's a getting used to, it's always getting used to new things, right? It's always getting used to what it's like. You know, change is not comfortable for anyone. I don't care who you are. Change is not comfortable. And when you change and you move or you decide to do something totally different, it takes some time to get used to it. Right. Um, and it's taken me 13 months really to get okay with the fact, you know what, I really actually like where I live because it's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. I went walking and I sent pictures on Instagram of of like an alligator. I saw, I saw a spoon built. There was been there's all different sorts of nature here that I did not have in any of those cities that I lived in. I did not have the nature like I have here. It's very calming. It's very quiet. It was getting used to. I didn't have fire engines going off all the time. I didn't have neighbors that were right next door that I could hear them. I didn't have people right on top of me. I uh, um I don't have any of that right here. And it's been getting used to. So you get sober and your friend group changes, right? You decide to put down the drink and you kind of figure out, just like I figured out orange was my favorite color, I figure out what's important for me, right? What is important to me at the end of the day? And I'll tell you right now what's important to me. For one, my sobriety is important to me. So I have to take care of that whatever way I need to take care of my mental health. That's my mental health, right? I got to take care of my mental health, which is in this head on my shoulders. That's number one. And I think that asking for help and talking to people is really important. I, I, I want to throw out, um, you know, we had somebody that was a celebrity this week that died and it was of mental health and her daughters got up at the CMAs, I guess it was, and said, oh my God, we are so sad that our mom took her, or took her own life. And um, that's mental health. And that's what this whole thing is, by the way, of addiction and drinking, it's mental health, right? if you go to, and I'm just going to say this because you go to, if you go to your insurance company and you talk to them about getting help for alcoholism or drinking, it falls under the category, the umbrella of mental health. So how do I mentally take care of myself each and every day? I have to do that first and foremost before I do anything. Okay. So that's my mental health. So my mental health, um, for one, I, um, I go to therapy. If I'm feeling like I need it, I have a therapist that I can call if I need to make an appointment. I actually t- sometimes I actually take antidepressants right now because it's helping me with, um, dealing with anxiety that I was feeling when I first moved here, because I was really out of control. So I used that to help me. I went and I talked to my doctor and they prescribed me an antidepressant, which has really been a game changer for me. Um, And I take it religiously when I'm supposed to take it. And obviously if you take an antidepressant and you don't drink, they actually work. Um, And you don't do drugs, it works. It's crazy. If you don't, if you just do that, what the doctor tells you to do, it makes you feel better. So I do that. And um, I talk to my friends all over the country and I, um, I paint and i hang out with my husband and i do exercise whatever that is and i talk to my kids luckily my daughter's home right now until august so she's around and i get to hang out with her and that's something that i'm enjoying because when they go off to college you think that it's like you look for this day that they're going to leave and they're going to go off to college. And you're like, yes, they're, leaving. they're going to college. I'm going to get my own life. This is going to be so amazing. But let me tell you, you get a hole in your soul. At least I did. And so having this win that she's 24 and she's home before she goes to law school has been an amazing gift. And I'm embracing that. And getting to know who I am. And um, the other thing I've been doing is I read, right? I read. I need a point as well. By the way, I need a point. I paint and um, I do my podcast and I help people all over the country too. I I help a lot of women. So I spend a lot of time on the phone with them. Um, And that tends to really fill my soul as well. So I do that. And then I read. And I think that I've put this up there, but I'm going to show you the things that I read in the morning because I just think that they might, I'm going to show you the one thing I read in the morning. Not many things I read in the morning. I don't, um, I read this book. And if you don't believe in God or you do believe in God, but I believe in God and it gives me solace to know that I'm not alone. And um, I know some people don't really want to be that for whatever reason you don't believe in God, you can refer to God as an acronym is a good orderly direction instead of um, God and place that in your head for me and then see in time how you feel about God. But um, for me, I read this book and it's called New Morning Mercies and it is by Paul David Tripp. It's a daily gospel devotional. It's amazing. I have loved this book. I'm going to put a picture of it on um, in my, in my comments so you can look for it. Um, I got it on Amazon. It was delivered the next day. And again, it's called um, New Morning Mercies. And that really puts things into perspective for me when I start my day. Because it, put, it always tends to be dealing with something that I'm dealing with at the same time, right? So that book is an amazing, amazing, amazing book. The other book that I have read for years is, um, it's by Melody Beatty. And it is, um, it is called, um, I'm going to tell you because um, Melody Beatty, um, it is called um, The Language of Letting Go and the language of letting go they have an app for that as well and especially if you're dealing with codependent stuff and codependent stuff would be like um, friends your spouse and that again that book always has things that has um, things that would resonate with me which I was like god did this person read writing this book know exactly where I was in my life it always seemed to tend that way so The Language of Letting Go is an amazing book from Melody Beatty that will also help you get in right thinking, okay? So those two things. They will take two seconds to read. You can read them on the phone. You can read them in the bathroom. Put them in the bathroom. So when you get up, you can also leave them for your spouse to read because maybe your spouse while they're in the bathroom could also read them or your partner and enjoy it. The last thing I want to tell you is this book. And it's called the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. Okay. Here's the picture of it. And it is by Charlie Mackenzie, Maxie or whatever. This book is amazing. It is. Um, it's just, it's what we talk about all the time. Busy living sober. It's about not taking your life, taking yourself so seriously. It is about the relationships we have in our life. And I just went and I picked up the book right now because it's in front of me. And um, it doesn't even have page numbers. It's drawings, it's colors. So it's pictures. We all love pictures, right? Who wants to read all these, these books? I know nobody wants to read anymore. So um, it's got a lot of pictures. It's not as much wor- words as it is pictures. Every page has a picture. So I opened the book and this is what it says. What do you think is the biggest waste of time? And this is a boy talking to a mole. What do you think is the biggest waste of time? And the mole says, comparing yourself to others. Brilliant. (laughs) And then the next page, it says, I wonder if there is a school of unlearning. Wow. How do we rewire our brains to know that we are enough? How do we wire our brains to realize comparing how we feel on the inside to somebody's outside is not healthy? How do we unlearn that? How do we unlearn that it's not important to be popular? How do we learn that loving ourselves and loving our families is the most important thing? And anything you get after that is like gravy on the cake. It's gravy on the turkey or icing on the cake. How do we get to that place of unlearning this stuff that we've done for so long, which has we thought made us quote unquote happy, but we were being there for everybody else instead of taking care of us? How do we get to that place of unlearning that and learning new things by change? And change is uncomfortable, Dee. I know it's uncomfortable. It is so uncomfortable to change. And it's so uncomfortable to feel like you're not popular and that you're not being included. It stinks. It stinks when you know, and especially with social media, I I can tell you, I go to social media, I go to Facebook and I get in a bad mood. I'll tell you that right away. And if I get up in the morning and I look on Facebook or I could look on Instagram and um, I feel like I wasn't included in something, I feel like shit. I feel like shit, I feel sorry for myself. I have that pity party like I talked about last week. I feel like I'm less than, I feel like they're better than me. Why does this person have this house? Why does this person have this car? Why does this person have this kitchen? And people go up and put this stuff up because, well, I believe that people put this stuff up to say, look at me, I'm rich. Now you think I'm better than you. Now I'm better than you, but I put that up there and that gave me this second of feeling like I'm better because look, I'm showing you how rich and fancy I am. But if you're so rich and fancy, do you have to tell everybody? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think you have to tell everybody. I think that if you get a new car, who gives a shit? Okay, it works. If it's a fancy car, great. Good for you. You've got a fancy car. Is it going to make, what are you doing that for? I don't know. Is it important? I thought for a long time it was important that I had to show you what I had so you would like me. Look at my car, look how fancy my car is, my fancy house. Look at my fancy shoes, look at my fancy handbag. But on the inside, I felt horrible. I hated me. But I thought if I dressed myself up with all this stuff, I'd feel, you know, good. Falling in love with yourself is an inside job. It's an inside job. One of my closest people in my entire life who helped me from the beginning of getting sober, pretty much she used to say to me all the time, I'd say, I'd always put on the outfit and everything else. And she'd say, I love you so much, Elizabeth, but this is not about the outsides. It's getting authentic with the insides. And that took time and it took energy, but eventually you find your people and you find that love inside of yourself to love you. And it takes time. It takes so much time. I can tell you, it takes time, years. And some days I fall back. And some days I want to put on the fancy shoes and I want to be able to walk up to somebody and say, see, I got this. Does that make me It's like such ego. (laughs) So bad. But I do it. And I can't lie to you and say that I don't. I want to get the nice handbag and say, see, look at my nice handbag. I don't want to put it on social media because I don't care that way. But in when I'm walking around, it makes me feel better about me sometimes. And, um, but it's very fleeting, right? It doesn't last forever. It's for a moment, not even, but what other people think about me is none of my business. If I'm, um, if I have a loving marriage or or a loving relationship with my partner, um, that's what really matters. Um, how I feel about me on the insides, how I you know how I love myself is what's the most important thing, and um, not in getting included is sometimes okay. It's sometimes okay, and sometimes we're not invited to the parties, and that's okay too. Um, make your own party. Number one, I um, I have a handful of friends here, handful, literally a handful of friends, and um, they're all different ages. And they're all different. They're just different sex. And um, some are different, and some are the same. but um, it's a handful. And I remember when I was growing up, my mom said to me, "If you have five dear friends that you can count on, five, five real friends that I know I could call on the side of the road that would come pick me up, or who I know would listen to me and love me no matter what, and do not judge me. If you have five of those, you're really lucky." And my mom was totally right, because um, I've had a lot of acquaintances in my life that I called my good friends that would never have shown up for me on the side of the road, would never have loved me unconditionally, would have definitely judged me, would have definitely talked behind my back. And I don't want to have those type of friends anymore. I just don't. Um, Our life is small sometimes. And going and helping out with others, which I know a lot of you listeners do, It's what you need to do. Help others, take care of you, take care of your family. Don't drink, fall in love with you. Get these books, the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. It's really good. And new morning mercies, it's fabulous. And um, realize that you too can be happy if you choose to be. If you're not drinking, you can make that choice. You can make the choice of going. You know, I'm gonna be happy today. Um, in this book, the the um, boy, the mole, the um, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the mouse. There's a point. It's, there's a point in there that the boy says. You know, somebody said, "Oh, do you look at a glass half empty or do you look at a glass half full?" And the boy says, "I'm just grateful that I have a glass." I'm grateful that I have a glass today. I'm grateful that I have all of you. If you listened and you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe to my channel. Please tell your friends about it. Um, Please know that you're not alone. Um, Dee, thank you again for bringing that um, topic to my, to addressing that topic and telling me you guys wanted to hear about it. And I hope that this helped. Let me know if it did, please reach out please know that you are not alone. Please know that you too are going to get better if you take time to take care of you, fall in love with you, figure out what makes you tick, and um, know that um, you can come back here every week, and you can write to me, and I promise you I will write you back. And um, you can reach me at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at busylivingsober.com or Elizabeth, E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H at elizabethchance.com. Either one will get to me. And um, if you have a topic that you want me to discuss, please reach out to me. Say, I'm thinking about this. Me and my husband have been talking about this. Me and my wife have been talking about this. Me and my friend have been talking about this. Me and myself have been thinking about this and I don't know how to deal with it. Write to me. I promise you, I will address it. And um, please know that having a handful of friends You'd be really lucky if you have five of those people that will pick you up on the side of the road at two o'clock in the morning if you had a flat tire. Think about it. And um, just know you're not alone. Reach out to me. And until next time, keep getting busy, living, sober. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Have a great week. Bye.